0: Hi there, welcome, and thanks for listening along with Kingstown Communion, an inclusive and affirming United Methodist Church in the Kingstown area of Alexandria, Virginia. Our community exists to gather people, just like you here now, into communion with Christ, and extend God's table into the world through courageous conversation, creative community, and collaborating for the common good. This podcast is just one way that we live this out. For more information about our church, or to give to our ministry, visit kingstowncommunion.net. And if you live nearby, we hope you'll join us for worship on Sundays at Hayfield Secondary School. chapter 12, 1-4, through 4, and Genesis chapter 17. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and the one who curses you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. The families of the earth shall be blessed again. Um, so Abraham went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. When Abram was ninety-nine years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty, walk before me and be blameless, and I will make my covenant between me and you, and will make you exceedingly numerous. Then Abram fell on his face, and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You shall be the ancestor of a multitude of nations. No longer shall you be named Abram, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the ancestor of a multitude of nations. I will make you exceedingly fruitful, and I will make nations of you, and kings shall come from you. I will establish my covenant between me and you and your offspring after you throughout the generations for an everlasting covenant to be God to you and to your offspring after you. God said to Abraham, as for Sarah, your wife, oh, you shall not call her Sarah, but her Sarah will be her name. I will bless her and also give you a son by her. I will bless her, and she shall give rise to nations. Kings of people shall come from her. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Uh, I the in there, see if you're paying attention. <laughs> uh, you were, good. <laughs> um, so I've been to my fair share of retreats. Has anybody here ever been to uh, like a silent retreat? Um, has anybody been to like a work retreat? <laughs> yeah. Um, in the, uh, the kind of retreats I go to are normally for clergy or for those who are going on spiritual retreats, but there's all kinds of retreats, and I have, at multiple of these retreats, the same activity or the same task has been given to us, um, and so the first time it happened I thought it was really interesting, the next few times I was like, darn it, why didn't I bring my coffee from last time I was here, um, so I could just go sit under the retreat or something. But um, the thing that comes up over and over again for clergy on retreats is they give you the morbid task of um, writing your obituary <laughs> on a retreat. Um, it's morbid, but it's like it's actually a really profound task. And I imagine also for those who uh, have actually experienced, I always wonder this, who have come face-to-face early in life unexpectedly with their own mortality because they were diagnosed with cancer or something. I wonder how that sits with them when they're given that task. I bet it's a whole different feeling. But for someone like me, who can often, it's very easy to forget that I'm going to die one day. It is. Um, Or someone like many of you. um, It is a profound task. And to to look at the mundane and unremarkable details of your life, to, to comb through them and to try to figure out what would be the material you would use, what would be used for your obituary. What would be the introductory material of an obituary? Like writing it all down, uh, many of you have actually had to write obituaries recently in the last few months, and that process uh, is the shortest thing, but it takes the longest time to narrow down what you might put in that in that in that very short um, amount of words. Uh, it's hard to figure out how to encapsulate someone's life like that. Um, it, I remember the first time I did it, wrote my own at one of these retreats. It took me about three hours to get it down to something that was about the size that they said it should be, and that I was, um, I guess, satisfied with kind of. And then after I wrote it, I remember looking at it and thinking, why can't I actually be that person that I just wrote this obituary about? Like, why that person I admire? <laughs> I mean, because that's how you write an obituary, right? But like, why? What is stopping me from being the person I wrote that obituary about? What, what is like? What is stopping me? I, What begins as an exercise in in pride and vainglory, because that's what it feels like when you write your own, often ends up being this moment of humility, because you realize that all of these various, you did all these wonderful things, here's all the things you did in your life, all your accomplishments, and here is the final statement of who you are, that kind of ending, lasting statement um, you often realize that the you you are now maybe does not match up to the you you would like your obituary to be about. Um, I was thinking about this this week, and I wonder what would, what would be an Abraham's obituary? I just started thinking about Abraham's obituary. If there was one written about Abraham, so maybe it might be a little bit like this. Because you have to give some, you have to give some, um, some lead up to this obituary, seeing the kind of person that Abraham was. So maybe, um, it, or it could be maybe his, um, personal narrative also. So maybe it could go like this God had a plan. And that plan was to be in relationship, uh, to be, friends with, to be sharers in the joys and sorrows of life and to be this faithful, preserving companion, to find a faithful, preserving companion for God, to be in relationship with with humanity. God had a plan. Um, And so at first there was creation. And so God, um, has this desire to be in relationship with the world, and God creates the sun and the moon and the stars and the trees and the breeze and the, and the sunlight. And in the crown of creation is humanity, expressed as Adam and Eve, right? And this was God's good intention, out of matter and, and spirit, to make humans. And in relation humanity to express the heart of God. So that's plan A. Plan A failed. Sin enters the story. and God's intention had, took this devastating setback. And so we get plan B. This time the plan wasn't to be in relationship with the whole of humanity, the whole of creation, this time the plan was to find one righteous person and build from there. So plan B is last week's text, Noah. Plan B is Noah for God. We spent a lot of time in it last week. Noah was that one person righteous man whose family God saved through the carnage of a flood. It's amazing. Noah's Ark is like the number one Bible story for kids, right? Because it's the most um, holy, destructive passage in, in all the Bible. But but even with with God's promise, never again, to never dispose of anything ever again. We know that because of our inability to trust God, plan B didn't work either. So God's plan to be in relationship with all of humanity didn't work. God's plan B to be in relationship with one righteous person didn't work. Noah messed that up even like just a couple verses after getting off the, off the ark. And so we move towards civilization and cities. This man had failed, and so God comes up with a third plan, the Abraham plan. We'll call this plan C. Plan C is this combination of the previous two plans, right? It has this corporate part of it, this corporate part like the first plan did, but it also has this holiness part of it. Father Abraham had many sons, and and many sons had Father Abraham, and Abraham's children were to be God's holy people, and so that through them, God could come into relationship maybe with all peoples again. Through this one people. This was plan C. And it's, it's basically what 90% of the Old Testament is about. So that's how Abraham's obituary begins. But what would be the perfect ending for Abraham's obituary? Of course, like any good obituary, it would include a catalog of his achievements, the prize for best patriarch, right? The prize for the longest walk in the Bible. (laughs) The prize for the best beard in the Bible, right? Abraham was plan C. But what if there were to be a person who appeared and expressed this perfect relationship between God and humanity, wouldn't it be amazing if a person came along who represented the new creation embodied in Adam and Eve, and the holiness and righteousness represented in Noah, and the corporate dimension of the chosen people represented in Abraham, um, a person who fulfilled plans A and B and C, like what the Christian faith proclaims, right? The God's plan for and promises to Abraham and Noah are not invalidated by the promises of Abraham but are ultimately fulfilled in the coming of Christ. Jesus is a Jew who validates all the previous plans of God. Jesus, in all three plans restored in Jesus. He's the new creation, like Adam and Eve. He's the righteous man, like Noah. He's the embodiment of the chosen people, like Abraham. But but we have to look a little bit closer at God's promise to Abraham in the first few verses of what Emmy read for us today. Because these first three verses are so crucial, actually, that we could probably call them the manifesto of the entire Old Testament. And I did not plan for this sermon to fall the week of this war. In all, God actually makes seven promises to Abraham you see them in the text? If you look at it, do you see them? God says, one, I will make you a great nation. Two, I will bless you. Three, I will make your name great. Four, you will be a blessing. Five, I will bless those who bless you. Six, the one who curses you I will curse. And seven, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. There is a great deal in this sevenfold blessing that excites people. a great deal in the sevenfold blessing that equally upsets others there are broadly two issues at stake the first is that since it follows the words go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that i will show you it seems a bit like a title deed to the real estate called Canaan. Abraham's call and Abraham's blessing are about land and family. And to say that 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 these words aren't really about the land of Israel would be like saying to the Jewish people these words aren't really about the Jews. But. To say that these words are about the land of Israel and are for the Jews leaves all kinds of questions about God's care and concern and God's intent for the autonomy and thriving of the people of Palestine. This is where we are today. This one phrase that was in my sermon outline weeks ago (laughs) for this day, this one passage, this one line, is literally at the very heart of everything that's happening right now These see on the news it's one verse leading to such immense heartache and then the the second issue at stake in this is a bit more modern it's a a more modern state but no less rooted in this passage and that's um the idea of the so-called prosperity gospel um, and how it kind of runs wild across a lot of Christianity. Before streaming, uh, you'll know what I'm talking about in just a second, if you don't know what the prosperity gospel is. Before streaming and before DVR, we used to switch. Who here does not know of the world? That's like before streaming and DVR, yeah. So, like, we would actually have, like, you know, the clicker, and we would change through the channels, and it was very easy to fall on, um, a, you know, some smart suited man always man for sure. Uh, and walking around <laughs> packed auditoriums um telling us that God wants to bless you and that that blessing means health and wealth and that if you you don't have health and wealth it's because you haven't yet asked for it and what you need the media you look to the podcasts and you pick up books at airports that always have the person's face on the cover of them. Um, and there's, there's a reason why Zolo seen up here, like his pearly whites have made him so much money, right? It feels so good. It feels so good to name and claim a blessing. And this passage, not only is it the root of everything happening between Israel and Palestine, it's also the very, like, root, the core of... It is the the heart of the prosperity gospel. Um, Name and claim that blessing. It's not surprising that the the prosperity gospel is popular for those um, who are in tough times. It's caught on rapidly across the continent of Africa. Because a lot of people could use a whole lot more health and a whole lot more wealth. But both... um, the theology of of Zionism and the prosperity gospel, which are not being equated here at all. Their theological implications require a closer look at the sevenfold promise that God makes to Abraham. Notice the promises that sit at the center of the seven, you will be a blessing, not you will receive a blessing, but that you will be a blessing. And if Abraham didn't get it or or needed a little bit more help identifying what this interesting phrase might mean, it's repeated in more detail in God's seventh and, and climactic promise at the end. If you... You are given this blessing and you, all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Here we discover what blessing is really about, right? Blessing is not, um, it's not fundamentally about security that comes from land or children or wives or camels or donkeys or SUVs or university degrees or clothing or endowments or guns or body enhancement or whatever blessing is fundamentally about others being able to trace their sense of well-being and peace and joy to you God is saying to Abraham I wanted all humankind to be a source of well-being and peace and joy to one another and to me but it, it didn't it didn't work out like that and so I I thought I'd I try to condense all of that well-being and peace and joy into one person. But that didn't work either. And so I'm going to try to convey all the well-being and peace and joy I have to give the world through one special people. And that people will be the people I give the world through to you. So the three questions we have to ask ourselves about whether a blessing is true, or one we should rightly seek—the um, three plans of God set out in the first twelve chapters of Genesis—there's uh, three questions here for us. Question one is the is the Adam and Eve question. Is this blessing fundamentally something everyone can have? Is it based on this kind of common sense of humanity? Question two is maybe the Noah question. Is this blessing fundamentally about being holy? Being shaped and fitted to serve God in mind and body and spirit? If not, it's not a blessing. And then question three is the Abraham question. Is this blessing one I am expecting to share with others? Or is it something I'm expecting to keep all to myself? The point of blessing in Genesis and Jesus and today is that we should become people through whom others find well-being and peace and joy. God's most important promise to Abraham was, through you, all the peoples of the earth will find blessing. And before the church becomes too self-righteous about critiquing or questioning Zionism or the prosperity gospel, we have to ask ourselves three questions too. Is our gospel in church life something everyone can have? Is it truly making us holy? Number two, is it truly making us holy? And number three, is it fundamentally a shared thing or something that we see as primarily for us as individuals? If God has given the Holy Land to Israel, It is not so as to keep Israel safe, but so that Israel may be a blessing for the families of the earth. That's a Bethel Hebrew read. That's the kind of read that they're willing to do. Um, If God has has given you prosperity, it's not to protect you from others, but so that your life and your home and your resources may be become ways in which others might find a blessing. And so let's um, return one last time to the idea of an obituary, or Abraham's obituary, or our obituary. Um, Yes, obituaries are supposed to be full of events and achievements, and births, and marriages, and deaths. but if you're anything like me, you normally skip ahead past those things when you read an obituary and get to that final paragraph that says something like, above all, she will be remembered for her. And then it describes what she's really like, right? And, and that's that's not about skill or intelligence or longevity or wealth. It's always about character in that line. When I when I read an obituary that says, um, above all, she will be remembered for being a channel of well-being and peace and joy. Or, or, God was so transparently at work in his life that you felt if you stayed close to him, you'd keep close to God. When I read ones like that, I think, I'll have one of those, please. Right? Would your last paragraph say that about you? Would it say he was a channel of well-being and peace and joy? Would it say God was so transparently at work in his life that you felt when you were close to him like you could be close to God too. Let us pray. God, we um, do not even pretend to understand all that's at the heart of what's going on in our world right now. Um, but we do know that this story, we know we our roots are here too, Right? We are the people of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and so are they. And knowing that God, we um, we take a look at, at the story again to, to find perspective for our life, and and to understand all at some level the angst in this. And as we we pray for them and as we as we support and lend aid, we also take a look at our life. God, yeah, make us people of well-being and peace and joy for the world. Make us people that other people would like that about us, even. Not some kind of inward well-being and peace and joy that we know or we feel a sense that we are that way inside, but that it would flow out of us in a way where someone would write it about us. And thank God that you didn't give up on us when planned A and B and C and D and E failed. Um, but that God, you... Um, you became the plan. So that we might be in relationship with you. We pray this in the name of Jesus. The last plan. Saying, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name.